Okay, let me explain again in perfectly clear English. I once flies in on a dragons, okay? How many times I got to tell these peoples? I know, there isn't a dragon. I know, that's what I'm telling you. But that's what I'm telling you. So go get one. What are you doing here? Go, go get one. Now, go, go. They don't have them. Are you telling me they're out of dragons? They never had dragons. Who didn't? The world. Get this guy out of here. Find me a dragon. Stick your cock up her ass, you motherfucking worthless cocksucker. Did you fuck my mom? Did you fuck my mom? You guy, motherfucker. You're
you're still stuck inside, perfect. You can still listen to us. Episode 182 of the Unholy Mofos. I am Jake the Snake, alongside, as always, Scott. Brother Scott. That is I. And today's subject, dragons. We're going to be talking about a kind of a epic movie starring Batman and Matthew McConaughey. A little movie called Reign of Fire and then uh, a not-so-epic movie called <laughs> Dragon Wars. <laughs> we were going to do this show years ago, but I don't know. It's just it, it never came to be. Something else came up and then, yeah. So, but we're now, yeah. we're finally doing it. Feels only right based on the dates of one of the movies. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> that was a strange coincidence too. I know. I, yeah, like I said, we'll get to that. Uh, let's just get to our usual shit then. Uh, Scott, do you have a fucked up sex act for us? Ah, uh, I do, and it's 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 something. Mm-hmm. It's called shrimping. Oh, I think I've heard of this one. <laughs> Shrimping involves one male being on the receiving end of a line of males who take turns engaging in anal sex. Once everyone has made a deposit into the bank of savings and rectum, one lucky (laughs) guy, usually celebrating his birthday, inserts a PVC pipe into the receptacle's rectum and uses it to um, make a withdrawal. (laughs) Hmm. And, yeah, nasty. I usually heard it's uh, with a straw, actually. Uh, I don't know, but still, that's <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> yeah, that's an old that's one. One I've known <laughs> since high school. That's a good way to uh, spread the diseases right there. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's not very good social distancing. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's been getting increasingly more difficult to try and find weird stuff. Online, so. Yeah, that's the problem with these segments. I mean, I guess I can see why all my heroes, uh, it was, uh, very temporary for them. Yeah, I mean, I mean Chuck Norris is a never-ending thing, but I mean, you can only do so much with that, too. Exactly. It is what it is. It's still gross. From the entire Channel 4 News team, I'm Veronica Corningstone. And I'm Ron Burgundy. Go fuck yourself, San Diego. Yeah, unfortunately, this segment is probably going to be short and maybe short for quite a bit. <laughs> because really, all it is right now is movie, it's getting delayed, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so now the news is uh, Ghostbusters has been delayed until 2021. Which... All the Marvel movies? Yeah, got something up here. Uh, let's talk about their new release dates. Uh, I, uh... Yeah... It says right here, the Black Widow movie is now going to be released in November 6th. And then Eternals, which was supposed to open around that time, has been pushed to February 12th, 2021. It was, it was actually supposed to open on November 6th. And Shang-Chi has been pushed to May 7th, 2021. But, you know, I guess that makes sense because always got to be a Marvel movie first week of April. Except this year. And then... Doctor Strange, November 5th, 2021, and Thor, Love, and Thunder, February 18th, 2022. Yeah, that's just the way things are for now, people, and, and, you know, the fact that they're pushing these mostly fall releases, it's like, 
Now, I know you don't want to talk about this too much, Scott, but, you know, there's already talks that there could be a second wave in the fall because you know, there's talks about this whole thing being seasonal. It's just that it, this thing is everywhere that I just I don't want to talk about it anymore. I, just, I want this show to be something else. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, why I, that's why I don't allow potatoes on the show, because that's not what this show is about. Yeah, but when it's getting to the point where it's, like, affecting our movies and all. Yeah. Well, one thing I was able to find that wasn't coronavirus-related is the fact that Don Cheadle has been cast as the villain in Space Jam 2. Because, yeah, Space Jam 2 was officially happening. That's interesting. Yeah, I didn't see if, like, he's going to be, like, live-action villain or going to be, like, Danny DeVito in the original where he's a... Voicing a cartoon villain, <laughs> which you know, uh, if that's the case, I'm like, that's kind of weird going from Danny DeVito to Don Cheadle. You know, I, well, I mean, at this point, he's a, he's a big name draw. It's not so much about the name; it's just like the uh, the kind of actor they are. I mean, you know, Danny DeVito, of course, is like can do over the top type actor roles and. Especially when doing voiceovers and, you know, Don Cheadle, I just see him being, like, more of a calm, laid-back type dude. Huh, we'll see what kind of range he's got. I guess so. And, uh, you know, like I said, uh, news is probably going to be pretty sparse for a while now. And that's all, all we want to talk about is uh, movies with, renew, with new release dates. Yeah, so probably means opening segments are going to get pretty damn short as well. <laughs> Except when we talk about... Good lord, what are you watching? This <laughs> yeah, feels so weird. <laughs> um, I haven't been watching shit. I've been, uh, I've been playing a lot. I've been playing a lot of Xbox. Because I'm an Xbox guy. I, I, don't, I don't do the PlayStation thing like you guys. Uh, I've been playing a lot of NBA 2K20 just because I needed something new to play, and I got pretty much bored of everything else. So, I decided to play that. Um, I've also played, uh, oh, let's see, I played, uh, I got onto one of the older Call of Duties, World War II. Okay. You know, I, played, I played that for, like, two days straight. <laughs> Uh, then, uh, usually after I'm, I'm done, you know, playing, you know, which, you know, probably not till 10, 11 o'clock at night, I usually turn on an episode or two of, like, Hell's Kitchen, or Chuck, or, you know, just something like that. Family Guy. I, I, I don't really ever write these down, so I always look like an ass when I freaking <laughs> try to do this. <laughs> and that's okay. That's probably about it. Well... Me, I got Letterbox. So. Actually, I uh, I watched uh, Captain America last night. Which one? First one. Okay. Well, uh, strap right in for mine. <laughs> so. Yep, this is uh, where our forty-minute segments are gonna go. <laughs> <laughs> well, lots of TV. I finally caught up with Bob's Burgers, and so. With that, all caught up with, I decided to look for another show to binge on. I decided to binge on Workaholics, that show with uh, Adam Devine and you know, the rest of his crew. <laughs> I was on Comedy Central, and goddamn, that shit is so fucking hilarious. You know, I know Comedy Central's like on, uh, on cable, but man, the amount of shit they were able to get away with on there. So well, amazing. Well, not a lot of people really actually watch Comedy Central. 
like, oh, I know, I know, kids don't really watch it. Yeah, I mean, so, they still, that they, like like sci-fi as well. They they get away with a lot of shit on there too. So yeah, I mean, they're still bleeping out some words, but there oh, there was one thing that made me laugh. It was like when Adam Devine was talking about his boss has a job, and he's like, "We'll be thithering each other's buttholes." <laughs> That's the kind of shit I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, gross. <laughs> That's probably something to look up for sex acts in the future. <laughs> Only you, Jake. <laughs> Just imagine and... what the girlfriend would think if she heard this. <laughs> Come on, you don't think I talk about this stuff with her? <laughs> I think that's even worse. <laughs> hey, she's still with me, so hey. You got a brave one there. <laughs> Um, also been binge-watching a few episodes of Mystery Science Series 3000. I mean, they've got people pretty much uploading almost every episode to YouTube, so when I watch an episode, that's what I do. Okay, as for movies, <laughs> like I said, strap right in. Uh, first thing I watched was a 47 Meters Down sequel, Uncaged. Yeah, that, that was alright. And, uh, I watched that movie Countdown that came out, like, last fall. About that uh, app that tells you when you're going to die. Yeah. I thought that looked lame when it was being released and decided to wait for it. And, you know, to be honest, it was a little better than I expected. Snow means a good movie and all, but there were some things I kind of liked. It was almost kind of a Final Destination-ish. Like you say, like, this app says you're going to die in six hours. It knows exactly how you're going to die, too. And you do something different. It will say you broke the terms of the contract, and it will kill you anyway. Like, at the beginning, this girl says she's going to die in a few hours, and, well, her boyfriend gets drunk at a party and is going to drive a car, and uh, you tell her to get in, but she's like, uh, no, you're too fucking drunk. And, uh, well, she goes home and, well, ends up being killed. Like, I think the spirit thing, like, lifts her up into the sky and drops her, like, right onto the bathtub, breaking her neck. But right around the same time, her drunk boyfriend got in a car wreck and, well, let's just say that a tree branch went through where she would have been sitting. Yeah, so that's the kind of stuff, which was pretty intriguing. I mean, again, it's not the best thing out there. Not really good, but at the same time, not really bad. I'd say worth a one-time watch. Blowout to an early 80s Brian De Palma flick with John Travolta, where he's like a sound guy for movies. You know, he records sounds that are going to be used. And, well, he uh, witnesses a car with his tires blown out, hence the title, containing a future uh, candidate for presidency. And, of course, he finds out, oh, it was not an accident. And, yeah, the usual suspense movie type deal. Yeah pretty good. Uh, well, I got The Blob on Blu-ray, recent Scream Factory release of that, and man, that, uh, that copy was cleaned up very well. And of course, you just can never go wrong with The Blob. Of course, the 80s one I'm talking about. Of course. Uh, watch this movie called Blood Diner. It's a late 80s uh, horror comedy about these guys who are owning a diner, and, well, they're killing people to, uh, 
try to get parts to make a body for a ancient goddess to bring her back to life. I don't know how I've missed this movie for so many years, but man, I'm so glad I watched it. <laughs> so fucking good. When did it come out? 87. I watched the It's Alive trilogy. In case you don't know, this is a series about, like, uh, well, mutant babies being born. Mutant babies that are uh, fucking killer. The thing about these flicks is that, you know, they just have, like, such a B-movie premise, but I don't think they go to the full potential of B-moviness. I mean, they, at least the first few movies, tried to take it a little too seriously, which I didn't like. But the third movie, yeah... The third movie went full, like, B-movie-ish, which I liked. And, of course, this is, uh, these are directed by Larry Cohen, director of The Stuff, and, well, the third movie actually has Michael Moriarty for The Stuff in it. And I think that's why I like the third one the best, even with that same accent. <laughs> just waiting for him to say, whenever I get the money, I just want the mo. <laughs> uh, the mo. Uh, this movie called The Vagrant with Billy Pax is, um... He buys a house, and then, well, there's a vagrant in the house, like an old bum that just won't move out. He just wants to stay around, and just makes his life a living hell. Yeah, it sounds like a bit of a horror movie. It, it is, but it's more of a black comedy, actually, and actually also produced by Mel Brooks, so that tells you stuff there. It sounds familiar. Yeah, I would recommend checking it out, it's pretty good. Uh, this movie called Come to Daddy with uh, Elijah Wood. Yes, <laughs> I wanted to see this one. Yeah, this is a movie where uh, he gets a letter from a dad he never talked to forever. Just tells him to come home, and he does. And when he gets there, well, dad is acting pretty strange, like alcoholic drunk asshole type. But uh, we learn there's just a little bit more. And... I will just say, this is another one of those less-you-know-about-it-the-better type films. Well, good, because I don't know anything about it. All right, <laughs> would recommend that. Uh, rewatch Joker, the latest one, and, yep, still like that flick. Mike freaking, he told me he watched it, and he said he gives it an F-. minus. Wow. He said it was awful. I'm just so surprised, like, how polarizing that movie is. I mean, you got some people who are just, like, Oh my god, I absolutely love this movie. And then there's just some people who are like, I mean, it's, no, fuck this movie. I mean, it just seems like there's barely any middle ground for this movie. You either like it or you don't. Yeah, I mean, I realize there are a bunch of movies like that, but to that extreme, it's just ah, so surprising. Yeah, I can't remember exactly what he said about it. I think he said, like, just he didn't like the way that the character was portrayed or something. Like, he, he just didn't like the story that they tried to tell. But, you know, the way I see it, the thing about the Joker is that, you know, he could tell his story in so many ways and all. And that's probably the only villain you could possibly do that with. Like, Sanos, yeah, you can't really try to do, like, something completely different with him or the green goblin now nah, he's gotta be some millionaire who has a science experiment that's gone wrong but it's a joker i mean you know he even says it in one of the comics the killing joke if i had a pass i prefer it to be multiple choice that's kind of what i like about the joker and what i liked about this movie is just very different interpretation i still haven't seen it so i can't weigh in movie called bad company with anthony hopkins and 
Chris Rock. This is a movie where, well, Chris Rock plays a FBI or CIA agent who gets killed on a mission, and, well, it turns out that he has a twin brother who they recruit to, like, replace him to, you know, just fool everybody. And, of course, he, you know, you got Chris Rock trying to act all serious, and, uh, yeah, it's one of those comedy movies that's also very action-y. Movie called Cradle to the Grave with DMX and Jet Li. And this one was pretty damn good, too. Another good, entertaining one. Of course, I didn't know this until I watched this movie, but this is a movie where that song, X Gonna Give It To Ya, comes from. The one we all know mostly from Deadpool these days. All right. <laughs> and a movie called End of Days with Arnold Schwarzenegger, which... I've uh, seen that one. I will uh, reserve thoughts because uh, maybe or maybe not it's on the list. Hmm? Yeah, it's a, it was definitely an interesting one, to say the least. <laughs> like uh, I remember watching it uh, a couple of years ago. We were hanging out at my dad's for New Year's. He was like, have you ever seen this? I was like, no. All right, we're sitting down, we're watching it. I'm <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, well, I watched the Dark Knight trilogy the other day, which I've been man-meaning to for a while, but the thing is, if you're ever going to plan to watch those movies all in one sitting, you're going to have to really set a big chunk of your day aside. And yeah, they're all, like, two and a half hours. Yeah, and, well, me being, uh, working from home, I'm like, well, this would be a perfect opportunity to. Yes, that's why my list is so big, because I work from home, and... I watch stuff while working from home. Uh, so, hope the boss does not listen to this. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, yeah, but goddamn, I still love that trilogy so much. And, of course, I'm still able to remember all of Joker's and Bane's lines. And, uh... Funny, yeah. No, you've seen a movie too many times. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah, that reminds me. I, I did watch Clue as well. <laughs> the first time since we've done it. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> And then I watched The Haunting, uh, one from the late 90s with Liam Neeson and Owen Wilson. Oh, this was, uh, of, course, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. of course, a remake of a old uh, horror movie, which actually came out around the same time as House on Haunted Hill, which also was a remake of an old horror movie. Though those movies were, yeah, a little close in release date and pretty similar. But, uh, well, I guess I, I like House on Haunted Hill better. And, well, as I wrote in my review of The Haunting, I think I like Scary Movie 2 better than that as well. <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, the, this movie is where they got most of the plot from uh, Scary Movie 2. <laughs> and, you know, I, I can remember liking it when I saw it as a, when I was younger, but, of course, it really does not hold up too much. There's a lot of downtime, like, a lot of boring parts in it, and, you know, you would think, like, a Haunted House movie being directed by the same guy who did Speed and Twister wouldn't have that, but, uh, yeah, not so much. <laughs> and plus, oh my god, I mean, I know whenever I'm watching a lot of old 90s movies, I see a lot of bad CGI, but, oh my freaking god, there were some times I thought I was watching, like, a, uh, cutscene from an old PlayStation 1 game watching this movie. It was that bad. Did the line head get you? <laughs> I mean, I can remember lots stuff making me jump when watching this movie, but, yeah, not so much, like, of course, there's one part where she's in the, uh, fireplace and she's digging up something and she finds a skeleton and it just pops out! Ah! Uh, so, you know, I watch it nowadays, I'm like, oh, that got me? Hmm, 
<laughs> wow, I, I feel so embarrassed to admit that. <laughs> yeah, some days I just want to go back in time and be like, Young Jake, what the fuck's the matter with you? It's not scary! Yeah, there's a lot of uh, YouTube videos as well, like watching some uh, quick walkthroughs of some video games that uh, I used to play on the old PlayStation 1. Oh man, speaking of some things not holding up, hey man, you... Yeah. you who would have thought PlayStation 1 would hold up? <laughs> I mean, good lord. I mean, I mean graphics, you can kind of give, like, a uh, pass for and all. But, man, you also forget how terrible voice acting is on those fucking games. I don't really remember a game that had voice acting on PlayStation 1. I mean, the, the original Resident Evil games had some uh, voice acting. And, well, I know. Well, I of never course. played those. Those are fucking terrible as well. I mean, I still I still love those games, but my god, the voice acting on those. I mean, you can you can see why they're giving those games some updates. Well, I think they're just doing it because you know, cha-ching. Well, yeah, that too. That's the only reason they're doing it. Yeah, hope I get some time in the future to get the new Resident Evil Three, and we'll see if uh, Nemesis in this game is just as anxiety-inducing as fucking Mister X in Resident Evil Two. <laughs> I mean, probably is because the guy, this guy, carries around a fucking rocket launcher. <laughs> Isn't Nemesis and like Mister X like the same make or model? Maybe I don't know. Don't they look like exactly similar or something? Oh no 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 no! I mean, not <laughs> even in the original games. Like you know, Nemesis has like a big old fucking disgusting mouth and I think one eye or something like that. And you know, Mister X has got a somewhat normal face. I mean, despite being all gray and shit. In fact, you know, whenever I was playing the Resident Evil Two remake, I was like, he almost kind of looks like fucking Dolph Lundgren. Oh. Yeah, so, so if they ever reboot the Resident Evil movies uh, and uh, are casting for Mr. X and Dolph Lundgren for Mr. X. <laughs> as long as we hear Mr. X saying, I must break you. Oh yeah, one more thing while well, I was telling Scott on a break that I joined Gamefly, so be getting some games to play like, well... First game I get in from there that I started last night is, uh, at one game, Death Stranding, at one with Storm and Reedus. Eh, I mean, it's basically just kind of starting out, and from what I read, it's like, uh, it's uh, gonna be a long-ass game, like, apparently takes 40 hours to complete, so. Shocking. Yeah. That was about a 40-hour game I've played in a long time. Maybe Red Dead 2. Everything else is, like, 10 hours at most. Yeah, and that's another nice thing about the old school games on PlayStation 1 when I'm watching the walkthroughs. They're basically almost movie lengths, but uh, of course the thing is they're only movie lengths if you know what the fuck you're doing. Yeah, I mean, I can't tell you, like, how many times in games I've just been like, Mmm, Isaac, I go here, I go here, I go here. Ah, fuck, I'm looking up a walkthrough. <laughs> yeah, unless there's a basic... You know, all right, let's, we're going to tell them where they need to go. I, I can't stand puzzle games. Like, you need to figure out where you need to go, that type of shit. I can't stand it. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to sit here and use my brain while playing a video game. I just want to sit here, relax, and enjoy my time. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what I've been doing in quarantine time. Yeah, let's uh, talk about the world ending, shall we? Mm, okay. Because of dragons, of course, I should add. Yeah, I don't have a song right now, so we're just going to cut to break.
has been awakened that has lain dormant for millions of years. A species older than the dinosaurs and more terrifying than anything we could have imagined. How did they go from one to a million in less than a year? Highly evolved. They have great vision in the day. They have even better vision at night. Extremely intelligent. He's playing hunting. More like cat and mouse. Unbelievably powerful. Two glands in the mouth secrete separate chemicals. Combine an exhalation, natural napalm. Good luck. Now one will protect them. We have to hang on, work together. And one will lead them. There's nothing magical about it. They're made of flesh and blood. You take out their heart, you bring down the beast. We found out where they started. We're going to London. Vertical one up. The plan is set. 1,600 yards, closing fast. The arsenal has been assembled. Get ready to rock and roll. Three children! They've got one chance to take back their world. Matthew McConaughey, Christian Bale. Reign of Fire. And we're back. I found a song. Jake's got the IMDb open. We're ready to go. Yep, Reign of Fire 6.2 on IMDb came out July 12th, 2002. Uh, it's directed by this guy, Rob Bowman. Uh, from what I can see, he does a lot of TV, especially the X-Files. He actually directed the first X-Files movies. And, uh, well, his last uh, major big-budget theatrical uh, directing job was the Electra movie, so... Yeah, now I can see why he does mostly TV now. <laughs> and of course, we got Batman in this movie. Christian Bale. And all right, all right, all right. Matthew McConaughey. And Gerard Butler in this movie, too. And, uh, yeah, I think this was right before he hit it big. I mean, I think 300 might have been his breakout role. I just uh, Oh, McConaughey? Kinda... No, no. Butler, yeah. Yeah. That's that's that little issue where you're cutting out. Oh boy. Well, I mean, good news, listeners. You're not going to be able to hear what Scott's hearing, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's it's pretty bad. It's like trying to listen to a robot who skips every like third word. I can't tell if it's my end or his end. Uh, probably it's his probably end, my end. I'm gonna butcher the chick's name, Isabella Skorupko. All I can see is that she was the main Bond girl in GoldenEye. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. The movie starts out, and it is the start of the new millennium, pretty much. Uh, during construction on the London Underground, workers decide to, uh, you know, they're, they're digging. I don't really know what they're digging for. It's never explained. Uh, they penetrate an underground cave. And uh, this little little kid, Quinn, goes in, and he starts walking around. Uh, a fucking dragon appears out of nowhere and spits in his face. 
So, you know, he goes running out to his, uh, his mom, and, you know, they wash his eyes. The fucking dragon, you know, kills a bunch of people. Sets this freaking underground place on fire and causes uh, Quentin and his mom to have to leave. You know, they try getting out, but uh, unfortunately, he's the only survivor. The mother dies somehow. It's not really strong. Yeah, I, I never got to. Like, maybe it's like the intense maybe a claw heat. got her or something. I was almost thinking maybe it was like the intense heat of the fire's breath, and I don't know. Like, you know, she was, like, doing her best to cover up young Quinn when the dragon's coming up. Whether she got uh, the fire. I, I'm not sure. And, of course, well, it didn't help that I was says... working working when watching this movie, so. <laughs> well, the funny thing is I looked online and it says that she's crushed to death while protecting Quinn as the dragon makes its way to the surface. Yeah, okay. But I don't see it. I don't. Yeah, and if that? she's crushed, that uh, crushed Quinn as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the uh, the dragon flies out, and you know more dragons. They begin appearing. Uh, they begin uh, multiplying rapidly. It's uh, it's shown through various newspaper clippings and a voiceover from Quinn that scientists discovered that dragons are a lost species that are responsible for the dinosaurs' extinction by burning them all to ash. No, it's not because I touch myself at night then. <laughs> the speculation was that dragons instinctively hibernate after destroying most of Earth's living creatures, waiting until the Earth repopulates. Uh, in the months and years following the awakening of the dragons, humanity tried to resist uh, using their combined military might, including nuclear weapons, in 2010. But this only hastened the planet's destruction. Within a few years, human civilization worldwide was almost entirely wiped out. One decade later, in 2020... Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Pandemic and now dragons. We are so fucked. (laughs) uh, Quinn, he leads a community of survivors living in a castle in Northumberland, England. Uh, The survivors are starving, though. They, uh, while well, they wait for their, uh, their crops to ripen, you know, they, uh, they need to, like, uh, gest- gestate, germinate, something like that. And, uh, funny you mentioned they're starting, because I read a trivia fact that Christian Bale wanted to do, like, his, uh, usual, I'm so fucking skinny type, body type sort of this movie, and changed his mind when he saw how jacked, uh, McConaughey got. <laughs> oh, man, that motherfucker's jacked, I'm gonna get jacked too. Uh, Christian Bale's body has to hate him so much <laughs> for all the shit he does for his roles. <laughs> I can't believe it. He goes from being incredibly skinny and all of his bones being exposed to a really fat guy. Right. Uh, and back then, to like being super fit. I don't know how he does. Yeah. Like, it's it's a fucking mystery. Yeah. Well, uh, many don't uh, trust Quinn's leadership. Some are becoming restless and openly defiant. While uh, everyone is asleep, and a guy named Eddie steals a truck and takes his group to harvest tomatoes. Well, uh, I looked online and said uh, picking the crops too early will not allow the seeds to germinate so they can be used the next season. So basically, he's saying we're going to eat now and we're going to be fucked in the future. Well, the group, they're attacked by a lone dragon. 
one of the uh, the guys is killed, and the rest are uh, surrounded by fire. Through the fire, a man in a fireproof suit rescues them. It's uh, Quinn, Greedy, and Jared, Quinn's adopted son. And they're using uh, old fire engines and fire suits. You say greedy or creedy? <laughs> I think I think I said greedy, but it's creedy. Yeah. C R E E D Y. Well, while they try to escape, uh, the dragon ends up killing Eddie's son, who was manning a water cannon. So this guy is uh, responsible for the death of his fucking family. Way to go! Later on. Uh, a group of Americans called the Kentucky Irregulars arrive, led by Denton Van Zan, Matthew McConaughey's character. Yeah, that's a badass name. And, you know, he brings, like, a tank, a chopper, and... and well, uh, the uh, the pilot is a woman named Alex Jensen. And also we can see here that the uh, Brits don't really trust the Americans. And it's just like... Man, you got motherfucking dragons. Put your differences aside. I, I wouldn't think you would have differences in a world like this. I mean, it's you against them. Yeah, well, as a, that's the thing about uh, the world type movies. You know, it's just like uh, people being turned against each other and all. I guess. Uh, Van Zan and his heavily armed soldiers have an elaborate tracking system to hunt and kill dragons. Well, Van Zan knows their one weakness. Poor vision just before sunset. Doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but whatever. That's what, that's what we're going with. <laughs> Quinn, he's, you know, initially uh, distrustful and surprised that anybody can kill dragons. After an intense discussion, Van Zan convinces Quinn to cooperate, working together. Uh, Quinn and Van Zan end up killing a dragon that uh, destroyed their crops. It's, uh, it's pretty intense. There's like people jumping out of helicopters, freaking slapping out of the ground. <laughs> yeah. Just, just a whole bunch of shit. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. The uh, the inhabitants of the castle they celebrate because this is the first you know dragon they've ever killed, even though they did nothing and they sat in their castle terrified with fear. Yep, and uh, Van Sant ain't happy <laughs> about that. Yeah, they're uh, they're only to be uh, chastised by Van Zan, who lost three men in the hunt. Later, uh, Van Zan tells Quinn that all the dragons they have encountered have been female. And they have also found that all females carry unfertilized eggs and that their metabolism is so high that they live only a few months. That was an interesting thing for me to hear. I, uh, if their metabolism is so high, like watching Captain America last night, he said his metabolism is like four times faster than like the average person. Hmm. So like, wouldn't he be aging very quickly? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little joke I throw in. <laughs> uh, let's see. Well, the Americans believe that there's uh, only one male, and that if they can kill it, the species will be unable to reproduce. Unfortunately... Oh, that, that dragon gets around. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, unfortunately, Quinn knows about the male dragon, since it's the one that killed his mother. He refuses to help, since, you know, the male has attacked and destroyed any group who went after it before, which is very interesting. Uh, Van Zandt orders his soldiers to uh, conscript the best men at the castle. Quinn becomes enraged and attacks Van Zandt, but he ends up losing the fight. Quinn announces that if Van Zandt's uh, group finds the male, it will kill them and backtrack to the castle. Ignoring Quinn, you know, Van Zandt decides to take a group and they go to London. Well, the male dragon is hiding in the shadows, playing with them, basically, until it comes out of nowhere and it just fucking spits fire on them and just kills the entire fucking group. And basically, the only one survivor is Van Zandt. Of course. <laughs> well, the male then uh, heads to the castle and kills most of its residents. Some survive in the underground bunker. Well, Trinth, uh, Quinn tries to uh, get people to safety, but Creedy ends up stopping him and goes in his place. But Creedy is then killed when the male attacks for a second time. It's such a shame. I mean, you weren't talking about him too much in this rundown, but he was a pretty good character, kind of like the comedic yeah. relief for this. You know, you know, the, earlier in the movie, you know, uh, Quinn and Creedy, they were, you know, recreating Star Wars for the kids <laughs> yeah. and stuff like I was, that. I was hoping you bring that up. <laughs> I am your just, father. Just funny little moments together, you know, that they're, they're great friends. But you know, I, I really should have, you know, given his character a little more justice. And again, I am an idiot. Uh, Van Zandt and Jensen then uh, return to the castle and free the residents trapped in the bunker. Uh, Quinn tells Van Zandt he will help them hunt the male in London, which is the main nesting ground. Quinn uh, knows the male's nest is near the construction site where his mother was killed, so they end up flying to London, where they find uh, hundreds of dragons. They uh, they witness the smaller dragons being cannibalized by the very large male. Van Zandt's plan is to fire a magnesium and C4 explosive charge with a crossbow bolt down the dragon's throat during the... Uh, the brief moment it opens its mouth to inhale and breathe out fire. Well, uh, Van Zandt fires, but the male ends up destroying the arrow before it can hit. Uh, knowing he missed, Van Zandt grabs his axe and jumps off the building to attack the male. But he is caught in midair and eaten. Yeah, such a badass shot right there, and only for it to be <laughs> What a head. way to go! <laughs> <laughs> Quinn and Alex lure the dragon to uh, street level where Quinn is able to fire his own explosive crossbow bolt into the dragon's mouth, killing it. Quinn and Alex are later seen sitting on a sunny hill overlooking the North Sea. Quinn telling her that there have been no dragon sightings in over uh, three months. They, uh, they're there to erect a radio tower. Well, Jared... <laughs> Jared is now the uh, the new leader because Quinn he's just he's, he's done he doesn't want any more of that shit so uh, he ends up telling you know Quinn that uh, the French have made uh, radio contact and that uh, 
they wish to speak to the leader. Gwen then announced, you know, his dedication to rebuilding. He views the possibility of the dragon's return as remote. He says that, you know, if they ever return, they'll burn, we'll build, maybe I'll just kill them. And we roll credits. So, Jake, was this your first time watching it? Uh, no, this is actually third time watch for me. I originally went to go see this when it came out. It would be 18 years ago. God damn. And then, well, the second time I actually watched it was when I originally thought we were going to do it for the show. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> so, yeah, third time watch for me. And, you know, it's not something I go back to a lot. But for what it is, it's a pretty entertaining flick. And it's like good post-apocalyptic movie with dragons. And, of course, you got to love the star power here. Christian Bell, he's always pretty damn good. McConaughey, it kind of has a different role for him. Like, you know, you never really see him, like, doing the tough grunt-type character. But uh, in this movie, he's doing that, and I think he actually does it pretty well. Can you name another McConaughey movie? He's, like, a tough grunt-type character. I mean, I mostly just think of, like, movies where he does, like, a romantic comedy. What's that? Dark Tower? Yeah, he wasn't really... He played the bad guy. Yeah, but wasn't, like, a tough grunt type character no like. but it's it's out of his normal yeah i, I guess man uh gerard butler like i i knew him at this time mostly because he uh played dracula in that one movie dracula 2000 so i guess it was way before he hit it big with 300 and yeah, became a big ass action star kind of cool actually seeing him being like a more of a comedic relief in this type one and yeah, the action scenes are pretty damn good. Like, you know, I think the uh, CGI for the dragons kind of holds up pretty good for like yeah, 18 years for later. A movie that came out in 2002. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't know. We're about to talk about a movie that came out, what, 2007? <laughs> 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 so you could use that comparison. Yeah, exactly. I always think for this one, I'm just going to go pretty good. I think I'm gonna agree. This is a this is a pretty good movie. I uh, I was actually introduced to it by uh, one of my uh, my mom's friends. He was living with us at the time, and you know it was one of his movies in his collection. And he was you know he invited me and his daughter to to watch it. And it was his first time watching it, and it was, it was really interesting. You know, back then I was really into like dragons and stuff like that, just because you know I was, I was a kid. And yeah, dragons are cool. <laughs> So uh, this movie has always been with me as as something that's always been really cool to go to. So you know this is this is a pretty damn good for me. You have anything more to say about this one? Uh, I don't know. Uh, do you think the second movie we do today can can beat it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> How about we take a break and uh, well yeah we'll we'll find out. Yeah, take a break and well I have a a band. I listen to called uh, Dragon Force, so hey, what better band for a movie about dragons? <laughs> so you'll hear a song from them, a song that I really fucking hurt my fingers a lot back in the day playing this on Guitar Hero. <laughs> and then you'll hear a trailer, and Dragon Wars, or D-Wars, or D-Wars Dragon Wars. You got yeah, let's put all those titles together. <laughs>
with Dragon Wars came out September 14th 2007 and a whopping 3.5 on IMDb <laughs> I forget did I call Rain of Fire or did you volunteer to do the other one I think I one? I think I volunteered to do this one maybe it, <laughs> yeah. maybe it was a little column A column B I don't know <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I was just gonna wonder who is to blame for this. Uh, director. I'm gonna butcher this. Hyung Rae Shim does a lot of uh Korean movies. And uh, let's see, we got Jason Baroness. Uh, he mostly was from that show Roswell, and he also was in The Grudge. And when I say The Grudge, I mean the good one. one. Oh. The good one that you can watch, which Sarah Michelle Geller, not that atrocity that just came out recently. The one that they're freaking trying to push on people right now who have <laughs> smart TVs. Every time I turn my TV on, it's like one of the top three in the, in the category for movies to rent. Uh, it's I, like, here, rent this movie. No. <laughs> yeah, I don't I want it. to. I heard garbage. Oh, what was that like? I saw like uh, something for it on Redbox, their Facebook page. They said, don't watch this alone. And then I went on their comment to say, 
I have a better idea. Don't watch it at all. <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway, moving on from that. <laughs> also got Robert Forster, who passed away recently, RIP. And uh, Craig Robinson from The Office and uh, uh, Hot Tub Time Machine. I think this was like before he hit it way big, right before his character was still one of the small time characters on the show. I think so. Yeah. And uh, we got the fat guy from Mike and Molly in this too. Never seen that show, but I knew who he was because he has some new show on, I think, Fox. Yeah, my girlfriend. I, rec- I recognized him. My girlfriend's mom watches that show a lot. Well, she watches a lot of all the syndicated TV shows a lot. So, anyway, okay, so we open up. There's like a uh, a site that's been like blown up and shit. And so, uh, wait, 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 before you continue, I just want to apologize. There were no subtitles, and I didn't know that. So, <laughs> I can't imagine <laughs> what the on the run I was gonna go. Yeah, <laughs> I got a little bit of confession to make. What I decided to do was, well, uh, there's this thing I watched called Rift Tracks. That's basically a few of the guys from the old show Mystery Science Theater 3000. They came together and uh, did their own kind of riffing thing. And, you know, they provide the movies with their little uh, riff tracks, of course. And so that's how I decided to watch this movie. <laughs> I mean, oh I'm going through all that trouble to find you a copy. Yeah, I, I just remembered that, and I was like, you know, if we were doing, like, a more serious movie, like, say, The Dark Knight, I definitely wouldn't want to do it that way, but this is Dragon War if we're talking about. <laughs> Anywho, like I said, some site that's been attacked, and we meet our main character, Ethan, and his cameraman, Bruce, as they're arriving at the scene, and Ethan, he sees something that kind of, like, jogs his memory, um... I, I couldn't tell what it was, like an emblem or something sticking out of the uh, ground. It was a scale. A scale, that's right, yeah. And so he goes back to his office, and we get a little voice over him. He's like, I know where this is leading to. And now we go to a flashback when he was a younger kid, like 15 years earlier. Him and his dad are at an antique store. His dad's talking to Jack, the antique owner. And, well, he's just walking around. He comes upon a chef, which just opens up and shoots a light into him. And at this point, Jack starts to fake a heart attack and tell his dad to go get some help and leave Ethan behind. But after her dad leaves, and when he leaves, I mean, he really leaves. I mean, for all we know, Jack could be really having a heart attack. But uh, for as long as this scene goes on, dad never comes back. <laughs> Well, he said go around the corner to a store or something, so... Yeah, but, you know, still, I mean, this whole scene right here takes, like, what, 15 minutes or something like that, and it's like, uh, that guy could have been really dead if this really was a heart attack going on right here. But, yeah, after he leaves, of course, we find out, of course, it's not really a heart attack. He was just using it as a diversion, and so he starts talking to Ethan about... Like, his destiny. Because, like, 500 years ago, there was this village. And he believes that there would be a girl that would be born with a dragon tattoo. So, oh, what the f- Elizabeth Salamander? Is that who we're talking about? Uh, that would have been funny uh, if I just yeah. remembered the name of the character from 
the girl with the dragon tattoo movies. Anywho, and uh, yeah, there's a whole thing about like, you know, there's two dragons or emojis as they call them. One, a more good one called the Celestial Dragon sent from the heavens. But there's also a bad one called Baraka. I think that's how I pronounce it right. And, <laughs> and you know what? I, I was realizing while doing these notes last night, halfway through, I was like, oh, Baraka's the name of the dragon, not the general dude. Yeah, well, I wouldn't gonna... call it a dragon. I'd call it a snake. Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely more of a snake-like creature than a dragon-like you know, it slithers a lot, no arms or legs, or even wings. You, know, you gotta wonder about the trail this guy leaves throughout this whole movie, all this traveling. <laughs> and it only takes, like, towards the end of the movie for people to realize, oh shit, something's going on here. <laughs> but anyway, so this girl, she was born, and it was told that she would, like, uh, it'll help out the celestial dragon. And of course, the Baraki's drag uh, army, they want to kill her. You know, they attack this village with an army, which a lot of these, uh, I don't I don't want to say they're dragons, they're more like weird fat lizard type things that they ride in on. And as I wrote in my notes, it's definitely looking like something from the prequel Star Wars movies from Phantom Menace. All we were missing was Jar Jar Binks. I like this because even in the scene when they're attacking, one guy gets stepped on, we get a Wilhelm scream. Ow! Anywho, like, uh, they uh, kill the girl's father and kidnap her. But of course, she is saved by her love. And, uh, oh, what the fuck was that guy's name? Eh, well, it, it don't matter. You end up saving her, but they decide to uh, kill themselves to save herself from the dragon. But of course, we're back now in modern times. Well, not really modern times. We're back from the flashback, from the flashback. So many flashbacks in this opening, I swear to God. So we're back in the antique shop, and Jack is telling Ethan that he is a reincarnation of the lover, and, well, he's the, he himself is a reincarnation of the other guy who told him all about his destiny. And they're going to make things right this time. So now Ethan has to look for the reincarnation of the girl. And, you know, he goes up to Bruce and he's like, okay, we have to look for this girl in uh, Los Angeles. Her name is Sarah. She's 19 year old. She has a dragon statue. And that's all I can give you in a big ass city like Los Angeles. Good fucking luck with that. At, uh, we actually meet the girl named Sarah, and she's at a uh, fitness club, and, well, she sees the news report, and she sees the scale, and it triggers her memories, too, so she goes back to her place, and she starts going, like, fucking crazy, so her roommate comes back, she's like, you know what, girl, we need to take you out for a drink, and, yeah, they go out for a drink, and, yo, know, we established that this girl's 19 years old, and she is going out for drinks right now <laughs> yeah maybe in korea the legal age is 18 well maybe but we're in los angeles right now well it was written by a man from south korea <laughs> yeah but so you know, we have a he could of, be I, I don't know 
<laughs> you know, you have a lot of Americans working just, oh, no. on this too. And it's like uh, I could tell them about it. Uh, she had a fake ID. I guess so. Stop questioning it. <laughs> she ain't feeling it, so she tries walking out where she is attacked by a bunch of rapists. But uh, Jack comes and rescues her. He just and he just uh, beats these guys up and just walks away. He doesn't even try telling her anything. It's like. Yeah, saves you and just walks away. So, yeah, she's questioned by the police, and there's this one reporter guy who's like, oh, shit, you kicked those guys' asses. And so we find out he actually works at the same place as Ethan and Bruce. So while they're still trying to narrow down this search for this one girl in a big-ass city like L.A., here he comes, like, so conveniently talking about Man, this 19-year-old girl named Sarah really kicks the asses of these guys. He's just like, oh, what? And now we're at a zoo, and here's the Mike and Molly guy. He works as a zoo guard at this place, and uh, he's hearing some noises, so he's out inspecting him. At this point, big-ass elephant just dropped from the sky, and we can see he was killed by Baraki. Mike and Molly guy, he goes fucking cuckoo! Gets just a few dream sequences. Like, Ethan's going back into the antique shop, meets the general. That general, like, oh my fucking god, the ADR, the voice they gave for this guy. Hello, fucking deep. He meets with this guy, but nope, that was a dream. And then, well, Sarah even has a dream. She meets up with the guy she's going parking lot, and she runs into him, well dressed up as a cop. And only thing I could think of when she was. Running into him as a cop is Maniac Cop. Yeah, yeah, get this guy for Maniac Cop remake. Why the hell not? At this point, what does it matter? But, uh, you know, after this, she's uh, she's going to check herself into the hospital, and her roommate's trying to check in on her, but, of course, you know, no, nobody but family members. But she, <laughs> she's trying to say, but she has no family. I'm pretty much her only family left. Uh, she decides to go back to her place along with just random guy who just comes on for the scene. We I think he's never, a friend. Yeah, but... I think way, he's we, the one who, who was at the, uh, the, the gym. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> Shows how much I'm paying attention to this movie. <laughs> they say go back to her place to pack up her shit to, to bring to her. Baraki comes, attacks them, and kills them. And now, well, Sarah's being put under quarantine because there's just suspecting something about her, I guess because of her little dragon mark, and Ilya, Ethan convinces them to come see her, and even gets a little help from this overly friendly guard, and at this point the zoo guard, he's at hospital in a straitjacket, he's like, I saw a big-ass fucking snake! No, you didn't. Okay, I guess you're right. I guess you can let me go now, but as they're about to, uh, reason from straitjacket, here comes Baraki, Slithering across the hospital, even staring in right through the window. It's like, oh my god, the snake's back! And of course, just before they look, he moves. They're like, okay, this guy's fucking nuts. At this point, Baraki starts attacking a hospital, and Ethan and Sarah are able to get out, getting help from that one friendly doctor. He's like saying, hey, take the elevator. It'd be much quicker than the stairs. I'm like, um... You know, if a fucking dragon's attacking a building and especially making it quick like that, I think you're going to want to use the fucking stairs. Elevators can malfunction and they'll take a long time to get to places. 
<laughs> but, okay, whatever the fuck he say. And, of course, if you find out why the uh, doctor was wanting to help a lot, it's because it's Jack. Because he's got shape-shifting powers, too. <laughs> it's a fucking shape-shifter. Uh, this is Rika sci-fi. It does. <laughs> oh, they get back to the park garage where Bruce is waiting for him. It's like, yeah, what's going on? And it was gone because Baraki's just tearing himself right through this garage, chasing him. They lose him, but they run into the general dude who they end up hitting with the car. But he gets up and big old fight breaks out and the general's getting the best of them. But uh, a middle-aged lady comes by and hits the general again with her car. Guy's not having such good luck with those, Haiti. But yeah, a strange old lady comes and hits the guy's car and like, hey, we're going to go along with you. And of course, as we come to find out later after she drops him off, it's Jack again. So I was like, uh, why can't he just uh, be just Jack? I mean, Ethan knows who he is. <laughs> I don't know. I don't not know, a whole just... lot makes sense in this movie. Nope, pretty much not. Oh, at this point, the general decides to raise the army, the eight trucks army, hundreds of soldiers, and even a bunch of dragons. Well, the dragons come in later, and SWAT teams trying to get to them. But, uh, yeah, of course, the army takes care of them. Well, actually, the general takes care of them with a wave of his hand. It's like, uh, at that point, why do you need a fucking army? <laughs> you can just take care of under you guys with a wave of your hand. Anywho. Trains them of energy? I keep trying to justify this movie. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, why? <laughs> well, at this point, uh, Ethan takes Sarah to a hypnotherapist. And so he puts her under, and you know, first of all, she's thinking about you know her early life with her dad, who, who ended up dying. And then it goes back to her past life, you know, back to all the original Dragon Wars and shit. And at this point, she starts levitating. And all I can think of at this point is, the power of Christ compels you! The power of Christ compels you! I mean, that's basically what it's looking like. But, again, Baraki comes and attacks, and, oh, they get the fuck out of there, leaving the poor hypnotherapist behind, and fucking guy destroys his home. <laughs> like, I can tell him, you need to come with us, man. Nope, leave him behind. And now he's dead. <laughs> that guy looked familiar, I don't know what I've seen. Uh, yeah, he. I thought the same thing. I looked him up. Uh, he's Donnie Darko's dad. That's what he is. So I end up calling Bruce again and trying to get him to get them a helicopter. He's like, "Hey, as a tall lord, but I'll see what I can do." So they meet up with him at a coffee shop. He ends up giving him a gun there and gets another little visit from Jack. And of course, again, Paraki comes. And trashes this place while they get the fuck out. And hundreds more die needlessly just because of these two. They're almost uh, captured by Baraki, but the cops come and shoot at him, which kind of distracts him. At this point, the generals start sending in more dragons. And now we get the city scene, which I gotta admit, for this movie, this was actually a pretty good action-type scene. Even if the uh, CG... Might have not been as good as some spots, but it will. CG may have been a little worse than Sharknado. <laughs> they end up like uh, going to the top of this really tall building just to get to the helicopter, and Baraki ends up slizzing himself all across 
this building just to get to them. They almost make it out, but he ends up grabbing onto the helicopter. They jump out while the two helicopter pilots die. They couldn't have just said, yo, come with us. Nope. It's all about them, of course. And of course, more military helicopters come in and start shooting at him, knock him off the building. But at this point, here comes the army and the dragons, and yeah, like I said, actually pretty cool scene for a movie of this caliber. Not bad. Well, well, these two FBI agents who, well, they've been kind of prominent through most of this movie. So, but unlike uh, Gerard Butler's character in uh, Reign of Fire, I don't feel as guilty for not mentioning them too much. <laughs> <laughs> I said I'm sorry. Well... Yeah, they end up taking them to a warehouse, and it turns out, well, one of these Asians wants to kill Sarah. You know, just to, just to make sure they never get to her. And he's about to shoot her, but Ethan ends up jumping in a way, saving her. And uh, for being shot, he actually yeah, recovers pretty well, I gotta say. I, I don't... <laughs> yeah. I, I even see where he was shot, but... Uh, I think he got like, shot in the arm. Even so, he, like... Nah, I, like, never really mentioned that again. So, before he's about to... He's about to kill her again. The other FBI agent shoots him and allows him to escape. Well, they're on their way to Mexico at this point. Sarah mentions that it's her birthday. She's now 20 years old. The age she has to be. But after she mentions it, here come the dragons. They actually get them. And now we're at this big-ass temple. And, uh... I wonder where I, this took place. Yeah, they never really mention. I mean, it's just they they wake up there and the, it's n- no mention of where it is. What anything about it? Yeah, here. get used to it. Yep, and totally not a green screened temple they are at <laughs> at all. No, <laughs> it looks totally. like a fucking castle from like Lord of the Rings. Totally does not make the CG and. Mortal Kombat Annihilation look good. No, not at all. <laughs> They're setting up this sacrifice for her. Iraqi is about to get her, but, you know, Ethan, while Tyler keeps yelling, Sarah! Sarah! And at this point, the medallion he's been given by Jack many years ago starts, uh, like, shooting up lightning and ends up wiping out all of this army. He gets out and... Only two left alive from the original evil army. Baraki and the general ends up fighting him, and again, it's medallion just kills him. And, well, Baraki just tries to go stabbing him, but ends up uh, getting the medallion, which disintegrates him. Lucky for Ethan, he didn't try, like, stabbing him anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> of course, he, he had perfect aim, and he hit nothing but the medallion. Right. <laughs> a plot hole. Well, at this point, a celestial dragon comes out and the fight scene we've been waiting for, question mark, breaks out. And uh, at first, Baraki has the upper hand and it looks like he ends up killing celestial dragon, but Sarah realizes what her destiny is. Uh, she releases like this mystical ball and ends up going into Celestial Dragon and revives him. Not only that, but now it gives him arms and wings, so he actually does look like a dragon now and not a snake. Well, well, he doesn't get wings, he just gets, like, arms. 
yeah, well, either way, he can fly around a lot more now. And uh, ends up giving him more of an advantage against this fight and ends up shooting a fireball right into Baraki, ends up killing him. Well, Sarah, she's looking weak now, and she actually ends up dying, but uh, her soul comes out and looks at Ethan, saying, I will love you forever. We will meet again. And her spirit goes away with Celestial Dragon, and Jack appears to give some more encouraging words to Ethan. And, uh, well, at this point, it'd be good to know where this location is, because uh, how the fuck is <laughs> Ethan getting back now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's just left in the middle of fucking nowhere. Where do I go? <laughs> right? Somebody get me some goddamn directions. <laughs> and who knows if he's even going to have a job. Uh, if I was a writer, I probably would have actually written that in there. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that is where we roll credits on this movie. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Tell us what you think. Uh... I watched this movie for the first time on, I think it was on sci-fi. It was just, I was home from school sick one day, and I just, I had sci-fi on, and this came on, and I was just like, fuck it, whatever. I'm just, just going to watch it. And I haven't watched it since. Um, I just, it's not a movie you need to watch. I mean, it's it's got, you know, Robert Forster, it's got, you know, Craig Robinson, but like it. it doesn't have anything going for it. It's filled with plot holes. The acting is not the best. And the CGI is not all that good. <laughs> I mean, there's a few times, like I told Jake, where it looks really good. It's like two fucking CGI companies worked on it at the same time. There's like one really good company and one really shit company. Um, I don't know. I, I think I'm going to give it a bad. Uh, I'm going to give it a bad, too. But the thing is about this movie is it's at least kind of fun to talk about. You know, it's, I mean, when we talked about The Grudge earlier, I mean, that movie that movie is just a fucking chore to sit through. <laughs> you would rather watch this over The Grudge. Yes, exactly. I mean, at least with this movie, with this badness, you know, it's almost like Troll 2 levels of badness, where it's like, okay, it's bad, but... My God, it's so funny with how bad it is. Of course, Nobody I... ever said it was deserving of an Oscar. <laughs> no. <laughs> this is actually the third time I've watched a movie, I gotta say. The first time was, when, again, I originally thought we were going to do the for the show. And then, and then when they released the Rift Tracks for it, I'm like, well, I guess Rift Tracks is the best way to watch this movie. And that's what I ended up doing. Yeah. Basically, this movie is, like, the most ideal way to watch this movie was a group of friends and pointing out all the silly, stupid shit in it. <laughs> I mean, I, again, I just love how Jack fakes a heart attack and sends his dad off to find help, and, you know, he has just... Has, never comes back. He has time to tell a 20-minute story when, you know, and, but again, if it really were a heart attack, he, yeah, he's fucking dead. <laughs> As that kind of so like, yeah, the writers clearly were not thinking anything when writing this movie, and uh, you know, it's the director guy, and I, I don't know what happened. I mean, apparently, the guy has a long, prolific career. I mean, he's got 
a shit ton of uh, credits on IMDb, and and uh, you know it's really hard to believe that this was a theatrical release movie because this totally has like Sci-Fi Channel written all over it, and then it's even funnier as I read on the Wikipedia page where this that despite the fact that it was really trashed by critics. It was considered a box office success. God. Wow. Yeah, the uh, the competition must have been really shit when it was released, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> September 2007. I can't remember what all was coming out around that time. Well, yeah, like I said, it's, it's a bad movie. Let's put it out there. But it's fun to talk about, at the very least. And that is why I volunteer to run it down you know because i just love having fun with how bad a movie can be sometimes as you all yeah know. we know mr troll too <laughs> exactly i guess i said all i can for this one so take a break and discuss
talking about wind I, I no we like don't have that. a we don't have a freaking you know weather theme thing going for the show it's just yeah. how it, it's just how it panned out yeah i promise we're not going all captain planet on you like i said wind because well we're getting well into tornado season right about now let's talk about a couple tornado movies then well, we seem to talk about the essential tornado movie like many years ago. So what's left? Oh, uh, there. No, no, no good ones. <laughs> well, maybe there are, maybe there aren't. Scott, you're going to do Into the Storm, a more recent tornado flick. And me, well, I'm going to be doing something I don't think we do a lot of these days. Or, or ever, I'm going to talk about a TV movie that was actually based on a book. And uh, I think the only like thing we've done that's made for TV is the original It. Yeah, we really haven't done too many Stephen King miniseries. But, uh... Next week! <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Probably I guess Probably better than what we're talking about. Uh, like I said, it's a little TV movie actually starring Devin Sala from Idle Hands and uh, the Final Destination movie called... He's Knights been pretty, the... uh, What is it called? 
called Night of the Twisters. He's been pretty active on Twitter. I wouldn't be surprised if you fucking mentioned him in the message. The when you posted it, he didn't fucking respond to it. <laughs> yeah, that'd be that'd be pretty cool. He was like, oh, I don't fucking remember this movie at all. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is this? <laughs> so yeah, like I said, tornado movies, and will we have a fun time? Will we have as much of a fun time as we had talking about D Wars? <laughs> yeah, we went real serious, and now we're just going like real cartoony. <laughs> just bear like, with us. Yeah. If you have any thoughts on these movies, email at unholymofos at gmail.com or I'm at jakethesnake54 on Twitter. I'm at brother underscore one. I guess I have nothing else to say, so until issues a storm and knives of twisters, peace out. Watch out for the dragons, fuckers.